DoorDash offers gas rewards program for drivers but says customers won't bear the costs. So let's get right into the story. Food delivery company DoorDash is taking steps to try and help drivers offset rising gas prices, though unlike rideshare apps Uber and Lyft, it says the added costs won't be passed to consumers. DoorDash said on Tuesday that all U.S. delivery drivers will be eligible for a 10% cashback on gas through a prepaid business visa debit card. They'll earn cashback anytime they use the card, even when they're not working, the company said. Over the last few weeks, prices of the pump have increased all across the world, and for dashers who deliver by car, this economic reality presents unique and unprecedented challenges, the company said in a statement. Oil prices hit $130 a barrel last week, lifting retail gasoline prices to across across the, the country. The average cost of regular unleaded gas in the U.S. is $4.32 per gallon, according to the American Automobile Association, with the price in DoorDash's home state of California surging to $5.75 a gallon. Uber and Lyft recently announced that they're adding a temporary surge charge to riders. Uber charges will come with a fee of $0.45 cents to $0.55, cents, and Uber Eats deliveries will include a charge of $0.35 cents to $0.45, cents, the company said last week. Lyft didn't specify how much it will charge. So a DoorDash spokesperson told CNBC that the company is taking a different approach. We know dashers aren't the only ones facing pain at the pump, and we're not passing the cost of these programs on to consumers at this time, the spokesperson said in the statement. Well, here's the thing, right? It's important to keep in mind that they're basically saying at this time, right? But it is cool to see a company that does do like focuses on deliveries that they're not having the customer actually bear the burden of this, which is actually pretty nice. So DoorDash also announced a weekly gas bonus for those who drive more, saying dashers who accept incomplete orders totaling 100 miles in a motor vehicle will earn an extra $5. The cashback reward program will begin March 17th, and relief will stay in place at least through April, DoorDash said. We'll continue to monitor gas prices, listen to the Dasher community, and seek feedback as we evolve these programs and explore additional resources in the coming weeks and months, the company said. I thought that was pretty cool. But what do you know? Biden ends up spending more money... Again, so Biden signs government funding bill that includes $13.6 billion in Ukraine aid. So let's get right into this story. So President Joe Biden on Tuesday signed a $1.5 trillion bill that funds federal operations through September and sends billions of dollars in aid to Ukraine as the country fights off a Russian invasion. Oh, by the way, isn't it kind of odd that... They signed a $1.5 trillion bill when the country has no money at all, period. So Washington had to approve a spending plan by the end of the day to prevent a government shutdown. The bill includes $13.6 billion for assistance to Ukraine, which fits into a broader U.S. effort to bolster Ukrainian defense. Hamper Russia's economy and support civilians displaced by the war. The money will fund defensive military equipment and training along with aid for Ukrainian refugees, both within the country and in neighboring nations. 
We're moving further to augment support to the brave people of Ukraine as they defend their country, Biden said Tuesday before he signed the bill. He added that the U.S. will be better positioned to provide for the rapidly growing humanitarian need of the Ukrainian people. Biden signed the bill shortly after the White House announced he would travel to Brussels this month for an extraordinary summit about Russia's attack on Ukraine. He also approved the funding hours before Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky planned address to the U.S. Congress on Wednesday morning. While the bill includes critical funding for U.S. efforts in Ukraine, it also stamps out some risk in the U.S. For now, the federal government will avoid a shutdown, which can damage the economy and put many federal employees out of work temporarily. Which, again, by the way, it wouldn't be hard, right, for this country to, you know, not spend money that it doesn't have. You know, like, like that's like the most simplistic lesson in personal finance. Don't spend money you do not have. The bill provides enough money to cover federal spending through the end of the fiscal year, September 30th, after Congress passed multiple stopgap plans to keep the lights on in recent months. Lawmakers will have to approve another funding bill later this year as the midterm elections approach. The funding legislation did not include $15.6 billion in supplemental coronavirus relief that was originally tucked into the plan. The White House has warned its efforts to curb and treat infections will suffer if Congress does not approve more aid. While the Democratic-held House could pass more pandemic relief money, Senate Republicans may block it from getting to Biden's desk. Feel free to give your thoughts, but this is just, when you really think about it, like this is a lot of spending and it's just going to be harder on the everyday person. AMC boss admits to a $27.9 million stake in gold and silver mine is likely a surprise to investors. I'd say so. Movie theater chain AMC just bought a sizable stake in a gold and silver mining firm, a surprise move for a company attempting to recover from the COVID-19 pandemic. The company said it is buying a 22% stake in Highcroft Mining Holding Corporation and its 71,000-acre mine in Nevada in exchange for $27.9 million in cash. Canadian billionaire Eric Sprott made an equal investment in the mining firm. I can imagine if you were like so wealthy that you could just toss in millions of dollars like it's nothing. So AMC's latest transaction has little in common with its core business operating movie theaters, which have struggled to lure back viewers during the pandemic. AMC CEO Adam Aaron acknowledged the deal might come as a surprise to the company's investors. To state the obvious, one would not normally think that a movie theater company's core competency includes gold or silver mining, Aaron said in a statement. In recent years, however, AMC Entertainment has had enormous success and demonstrated expertise in guiding a company otherwise valuable assets through a time of severe liquidity challenge, the raising of capital, and strengthening of balance sheets as well as communicating with individual retail investors. Now, here's the thing, right? To me, 
I feel like there would be like two ways that AMC could have gone to where they could have utilized this money for like a much smarter plan, right? One, they could end up making an online demand platform similar to Netflix, similar to Disney Plus, but with the difference being that they have a you know premium subscription and a free subscription, right? So that they could get people in right away. They run ads on this different content that they have in there for like shows or videos that they end up leasing or yeah, leasing until they are able to produce their own shows, their own TV shows and all that kind of stuff. Or instead of it going the gold and silver mining route, go to the crypto mining route. Like turn into more of like a micro strategy. Like it doesn't make sense to go into the gold and silver mining route, like at all. So it is all that experience and skill that we bring to the table to assist the talented mining professionals at Highcroft, he added. I think it's such a stupid idea, though. So despite its pandemic-era struggles, AMC has emerged as a prominent meme stock and favorite of retail investors in recent years. The company's stock rose nearly 7% in trading following the deal's announcement, and in its announcement, AMC said the mine has some 15 million ounces of gold deposits, and some 600 million ounces of silver deposits according to third-party studies. Meanwhile, Aaron said he canceled a planned appearance on CNBC due to legal concerns as AMC's purchase prompted a flurry of trading volume. I am excited about our investment in HYMC, but there has been so much volume in the stock today, lawyers insisted I stay off-air, Aaron tweeted. I want to apologize to at Jim Kramer and at David Faber, Two extraordinary journalists for canceling my CNBC interview with them today at the last minute. I'm excited about our investment in HYMC, but there has been so much volume in that stock today, lawyers insisted I stay off air. The transaction is Aaron's latest attempt to jumpstart AMC's business through alternative means. Last week, the AMC CEO revealed that the movie theater chain would begin accepting Dogecoin for online payments after starting to take Bitcoin and Ethereum months earlier. Disney's galactic struggle to fill Star Wars Hotel with rooms up to $20,000 a night. By the way, why on earth is anyone ever spending $20,000 a night at a Disney hotel? How foolish is that? So let's get right into it. So Disney's overpriced, I would have to agree, overpriced Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser Hotel which only has 100 rooms, is nowhere near selling out, according to the availability calendar on his website. Guests have their pick of dates through the second half of 2022 to stay in the hotel, which has rooms for between $5,000 and $20,000 for a tricked-out suite. Almost every day in August, September, October, November, and December is available, the calendar shows, and there are many openings in June and July, too. The immersive Orlando-based Star Wars Hotel, which opened on March 1st, has faced fierce backlash by Disney World fans over the sky-high room rates, food costs, and Star Wars-themed extras like a private portrait session with photographer. Anger bubbled up last December when the Mouse House scrubbed a promotional video from Twitter and YouTube after fans slammed the lodging as subpar and too expensive.
Yeah, I would have to agree. The lightsaber training looks about as exciting as a roadside sobriety sobriety test, one Disney watcher commented on YouTube. It's way too expensive, another said. The New York Times, which recently got a preview of the hotel, laid out some of the egregious additional costs guests can expect to pay outside of the basic experience fee. A stay at the hotel does not include alcohol, which runs around $13 for beer. Dear Lord, $11 and up for wine, and $23 for specialty drinks or any fun Star Wars-themed extras. Like, dear Lord, like you're getting surcharged while over getting overcharged for an expensive hotel stay. Like, that is crazy. For instance, it costs $99 minimum to hire a photographer for a portrait or if you want to sit at the head of the captain's table in the Star Cruiser's Crown of Corellia dining room, you'll need to cough up an extra 30 bucks. See, like, that is crazy. Like, here's the thing. It would make more sense for them to charge these prices as the only fee that they charge, right? Like, it'd be one thing, like, hey, we'll charge you $5,000 for your stay. That's all you're paying. Period. Doesn't matter what you end up doing, that's all we're charging you, right? Or 10000 that is all we are charging you. There is no charges at all, period, for anything else on your state. That would be completely different. But the fact that they're charging people so much money, and then on top of that, overcharging you for basic stuff, that is crazy. Crazy. So stale reviews have since been relatively positive, with some exceptions. In his review, CNBC said immersion takes on new meaning aboard the Star Cruiser, noting that the price tag is worth it if you're willing to let loose and play. Others critiqued the high-priced cabins, which do not have any windows, but instead a view of screens that play videos of stars, planets, and asteroid showers. Reviewers likened them to a windowless bunker in a suburban junior high school built in the middle well, in the mid 1970s, according to the SFG. They said the Star Cruiser also lacks the amenities usually expected in hotels at this price point, like a pool and a spa. On the flip side, some guests have raved about the character actors who take part in the immersive experience. Now that's this is actually pretty cool. Right, for like someone who would be like a big fan of this, having like really good character actors who take part in this thing would actually probably make it worthwhile for like the five thousand, maybe even ten thousand. But if that was the only thing you're being charged, along with Ray, Kylo Ren, and Chewbacca, guests interact with a cast of cruise ship workers who encourage them to fight for the resistance and take on secret missions during their stay. And here's the thing, right? I think this is a cool idea, but they went about this in such a stupid way. Ali Firm apologizes after asking job applicants for their IQ scores. Resume, cover letter, IQ score, a Silicon Valley venture capital firm is in the hot seat after asking job applicants for their scores on an IQ test even though hiring based on IQ is legally questionable. 
San Francisco-based Somo Capital, which has invested in startups including self-driving car company Cruise and defunct social media app House Party, posted a job listing for a multi-stage investor role earlier this month. Which, by the way, right? Isn't it kind of funny that uh, they're asking for their IQ score even though they invested into things that are kind of crappy? So the listing required applicants to go to a website called iqtest.com, take a free test, and include their score. Applicants were also told to take what the company said was a Myers-Briggs personality test on a website called 16personalities.com and share their personality type, which includes categories such as extroversion versus introversion and sensing versus intuition. Attach your test score and personality test results screenshots here. Somo Capital's listing prompted, and the questions were mandatory. But after screenshots of the job listing circulated on Twitter on Monday, Somo Capital removed the questions. In a phone call with the Post, Somo Capital's managing partner, Anil Renadiv, blamed the job listing on an intern. Basically, I just saw this post that an intern put up. Renadiv, who's the son of Sacramento Kings owner, Vivek Ranadiv told the Post, I was horrified to see that. I had the team take it down immediately. They're in trouble, Ranadiv said of the intern, adding, I take responsibility for my team. Under the Civil Rights Act of 1964, using IQ tests could violate the law if the tests are shown to have a disproportionate impact on racial minorities or women. New York University School of Law professor Samuel Escher told the Post, what is your score? Take a free test, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so this is the screenshot. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Eschreier added that the use of IQ and Myers-Briggs tests also risks violating the Americans with Disabilities Act, which bars companies from requiring applicants to take mental or physical examinations prior to offering them jobs. Companies shouldn't rely on these tests, Eschreier said. They should just be talking to these people. Lydia Brown, a policy cancer advocacy group, the Center for Democracy and Technology said trying to quantify an applicant's intelligence is a rather slippery concept. Employers need to really carefully consider whether their test is actually measuring a quality or trait that is necessary to perform the job, and that's a legal standard, Brown told the Post. Renard Dove said he was hugely apologetic for the IQ of Myers-Briggs questions, and they are not what SOMA stands for. We want mission-driven thoughtful teammates from diverse backgrounds, and I believe the best way to suss that is through writing and conversations. He said the most legendary entrepreneurs of all time come from unexpected, unique, diverse backgrounds. After the Post published the initial version of the story, a spokesperson from the Myers-Briggs company said that the sixpersonalities.com test test was not an official version of the Myers-Briggs type indicator test, and the company does not endorse using its test as a hiring tool. And here's the thing, right? I think the only reason why they took it down was because they started to get heat, right? That is the only reason why this company put it down. I bet you anything it was because of the boss of this company. It was like, oh, yeah, this is a perfect idea to go ahead and do, right? And the only reason why they took it down was because it's Twitter, because they have basically no spine. Tesla hikes car prices after Elon Musk issues an inflation warning. So Tesla is raising prices for its entire electric car lineup, 
a move that came days after CEO Elon Musk warned the firm was under significant inflationary pressure given the rising cost of key commodities following the Russian invasion of Ukraine. The, high, the price hikes amount to between 5% and 10% compared to previous levels, according to a review of Tesla's website. The company has been paying higher prices for key raw materials such as aluminum and nickel. For example, Tesla's cheapest available car, the Model 3, with rear-wheel drive now costs $46,990, up from its old price of $44,990. Tesla's most expensive vehicle model, the Model X Tree Moto, now costs $138,990, up from $126,490. Dear Lord. The increases were the second of the month for Tesla. The company warned last week of higher prices for its longer-range versions of the Model 3 and Model Y vehicles. Musk addressed inflationary challenges facing Tesla and SpaceX on Twitter earlier this week, noting the companies were not alone as they contend with surging commodity prices during the Russia-Ukraine war. Tesla and SpaceX are seeing significant recent inflation pressure in raw materials and logistics, Musk tweeted. In a note to clients earlier this week, Wells Fargo analysts said the price of nickel has surged 130% this year alone. Nickel is a key component in the batteries used in electric vehicles. Other commodities such as aluminum, cobalt, and lithium are also up significantly, jumping up by between 16% and 88% this year. The Russia-Ukraine war is just the latest supply chain setback for Tesla and other automakers, who have struggled for months to secure key components as the global economy recovers from COVID-19 pandemic. Last summer, Musk told Inlist that Tesla was reprogrammed software to use computer chips that were more readily available. CNBC reported Tesla has some significant supply chain ties to Russia, noting that the company has purchased millions of euros worth of aluminum from Russia-based Rusal. Meanwhile, Musk and his firm SpaceX have played an active role assisting the people of Ukraine during the Russia war. The billionaire provided startling internet to Ukrainians due to concerns that they could lose access during an escalating invasion, and Musk has also engaged in a war of words with top Russian officials, including Russian President Vladimir Putin, who he challenged to single comment in a tongue-in-cheek Twitter post later this week. Well, earlier this week, I should say. But here's the thing, right? Another thing to keep in mind is that, like, Teslas have never been cheap, and probably never will be cheap, and yet people who are making millions and millions and millions of dollars, aka Stephen Colbert, basically put down everyday American citizens who don't have enough money to buy these vehicles because they don't make enough. Like, they do not make enough money to pay for electric vehicles like this. And there's not really any cheap electric vehicle. Not a true, decent electric vehicle. And so for like people who are like millionaires, basically saying like, oh, who cares about you know, spending this amount more on gas? Everyday citizens that are living paycheck to paycheck can barely, barely survive on the gas a week ago, two weeks ago. Right? It's just sad to see.